Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week that we read back some messages from the mailbag. You know what we haven't mentioned in a while? Our loyal mailbot, Carney. Uh, I don't know why. We, you know, we, we start to take him for granted. Yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's functioning perfectly and he's not destroying all humans, then you don't notice he's there at all. That's the thing about technology. How about it, Carney? Have you yet decided that human beings are a virus, uh, much like Agent Smith in, in The Matrix? Ambiguous answer. Okay. Um, I think maybe we should start off with some responses to the episode we did on vacuum airships. Uh, let's see. Rob, do you want to do this one from longtime correspondent Jim in New Jersey? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jim in New Jersey is great about uh, chiming in, especially on, um, on like physics and stuff, but also old-timey sci-fi uh, mm-hmm. as well. So Jim shares the following. Robert, Joe, and Seth, I think that null ships, which really should be called null hulls, exist on Earth, but just not in the form you presented. I would propose that submarines are a type of null hull design. Their buoyancy in water is determined by the relative ratio of air to seawater in their buoyancy tanks. 
In these conditions, air would be like a vacuum relative to the surrounding seawater. Submarines can be subjected to the crushing pressure of the surrounding fluid, as is seen in just about every submarine movie ever produced. If no airships were ever constructed, I'd really be concerned with their integral structure. Any flaw would make them susceptible to immediate crushing. The Mythbusters demonstrated this in their last season when they crushed a railroad tanker car only by using air pressure. Its implosion was one of the most impressive things I remember them doing on the show. Jim in New Jersey. Jim attaches a link to a video. I couldn't tell if this was actually from Mythbusters. It didn't really look like it, but uh, it, it was a clip of somebody pumping out, uh, yeah, one of those like, you know, sealed uh, tankers you would see being pulled on railroad tracks. And uh, they, they had it hooked up to a big truck. I guess that truck was operating the, the vacuum pump. And it just, it doesn't do anything for a long time because, of course, it's mm -hmm. not a balloon. It's got a rigid outer shell and it just sits there and sits there and sits there. And then suddenly, bam, it just smashes like somebody, like an invisible foot from the sky stomped on it. Yeah, it just squanches. That's pretty, pretty impressive. That is the pressure of the atmosphere. Same force holding the Magdeburg hemispheres together. Okay, uh, I'm going to read a message about vacuum airships from Eric, who says, Hi, gentlemen. Loved the Void Ships episode. I've long wondered about the feasibility of vacuum airships, and one thing that occurred to me is the possible use of evacuated aerogels. Aerogels are essentially a dried out gel that retains its shape. They're estimated to be about 97% air inside lots of nanoscopic pores. A common example is silica aerogel, which is basically fluffy glass. I did some math, and if we could evacuate the air from silica aerogel and then somehow seal the surface so air could not get back in, it would be capable of floating at altitudes of up to 4 kilometers or 1.5 miles. Its biggest problem would be its compressive strength. Although aerogels are rigid, they are not all strong, and larger aerogels may not be able to withstand sea level pressure, especially for larger vacuum aerogel balloons. I don't know enough about material science to try to calculate the performance of an aerogel at different atmospheric pressures, but it's a fun idea, and maybe, like all the other problems in the world, this one will be solved by graphene or carbon nanotubes. All the best, <laughs> Eric. That's right. We can always kick the aerogel can down the road <laughs> to uh, the graphene and, and nanotubes, for sure. I feel like I've seen fewer articles about this in recent years. There was a period of time, oh, I don't know, I'm going to say like 2011 to 2013 mm -hmm. or 14 or so, where essentially every science or engineering article I read ended with, well, we can't do this now, but maybe with graphene or carbon nanotubes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you still see it with, with any kind of discussion that involves the limitations of modern day materials or structures. Yeah. Inevitably, that's going to come up and, and for good reason. But yeah, I think you're right. There was a time uh, about 10 years ago where it, it seemed like it was everywhere. The science headlines were just crazy for nanotubes. <laughs> 
All right, here's one from Evan. Evan writes in and says, Hey dudes, I always love listening to your show and learning along with them. One of my favorite episodes was the Lesser of Two Crab Claws series, but as I was listening to your recent episode about vacuum airships, I couldn't help but be reminded of a scene in the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. I'm not sure if it features in the Tim Burton one, where Charlie and Grandpa Joe sneak a sample of fizzy lifting drink and are almost chopped up by the fans in the ceiling. They finally discover the solution to stop floating and to get down is to burp, slowly expelling gas, and each time they sink a little lower until they are safe on the ground. As you went through all the different attempts people came up with to create these null ships, I couldn't help but think of this scene and the comparisons it drew. Again, thanks for all you do. Love the show. Evan. Chopped up by the fans? That's a little more gory than I uh, recall Willy Wonka being even... Oh, yeah? Yeah, they were floating. I mean, they didn't get chopped up, but they were floating up towards the obvious chopping peril of okay. the fan on the ceiling. I mean, death is is real in the Wonkaverse. It was implied chopping. There was the suggestion that chopping would occur. Right, but I mean, we we establish in in the Wonkaverse here that terrible things can and will happen to children. So it's it for some reason it's a film where the, the threat feels very real and. Charlie and Grandpa are breaking the rules. Oh, are they? I remember uh, Charlie and Grandpa always doing good while it was the other no. kids who, who were doing bad. I mean, the, the kids did bad, too. But you might remember at the end, this is the whole, remember the whole Wonka um, rant about you get nothing. And it yeah, went, yeah. This, was, uh, this was part of it. Okay. Great, weird film. It's certainly one we could, uh, we could come back and look at on Weird House Cinema in the future. You, you mean the old one. I, you oh, cannot one make sure. me watch the Tim Burton one. <laughs> I saw it. I, I, I don't remember much about it, but uh, I mean, the original one is, is golden. Yes. Okay. Uh, how about a couple messages about whistling? Uh, this first one comes from Duncan. Duncan says, hi, I've loved your deep dive into whistling. I had no idea it was such a large subject. In the third episode, you talked about the use of whistling from the audience as a negative display in ancient debates and mentioned the modern-day British theater, although this is more a cultural memory, as audiences in the UK don't really do this anymore. I thought I'd share that the French rugby team have to contend with, quote, the bird, a whistled display of disappointment in turgid play from their own fans when not performing well. This is in wide use across France today. Keep up the good work. All the best. Duncan. Duncan, I tried to look this up and find an example, and I could not, but maybe I didn't know what the right search terms were, but I believe you. Huh. Interesting. All right, this one comes to us from Mark. Howdy all. In part three of the Whistling series, there was a discussion of the audience in a theater whistling at, the, at a performance that they didn't like. And if I recall, I listened to it a few days ago, you segued into sailors' superstitions about whistling. I think there may be some overlap between the two. There is a superstition in the theater about whistling backstage. I ask around during a show. I'm a musician that does a lot of work in theaters here in Atlanta as to where this particular superstition came from. And the only answer that was given with any confidence is a surprisingly practical one. This explanation is purely anecdotal, so take it with a grain of salt. Many of the curtains, scrims, and other set pieces are flown in from the loft using cables. Now, these cables are steel cables with easy-to-use locks and counterweights, but before that, there were ropes that had to be weighted and tied to secure them. Sailors were accustomed to running around in high places and working with stout ropes and knots, so when not at sea, the theater was a good place to find work. 
How do they communicate at sea? Whistling, which, if it's even audible to the audience, would not interfere with the dialogue. Thus, if you whistle backstage, you risk telling the stage crew to do something that could be embarrassing in the show, catastrophic, or even deadly, like any old cartoon that involves a sandbag dropped on someone's head. My hypothesis is that the audiences of old knew this. Then perhaps an audience whistling is an attempt to spook a superstitious actor, cause some technical mayhem, or even to do harm to the folks on stage. Just a bit of speculation, but seems plausible. Thanks for the great shows, topics, and movies. Mark. <laughs> well, Mark, I'm of two minds about this. On one hand, I am taking this with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it it's a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like these possible connections. Um, it, it certainly changes the, um, uh, the, the flavor of whistling at uh, someone on a stage if what you're ultimately trying to do is get a chandelier dropped on their head. Yeah, or make the, the set start lifting off the ground or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to hear you know, your favorite musician do any new material, but you don't want stuff to fall on them. Oh, I was just taken to a to a moment I, I lived through. I remember uh, when Art Garfunkel was doing an outdoor <laughs> festival show in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, and he announced uh, to a crowd of, of many thousands that he was going to do a song off his new album, and everyone at once got up to get a beer. It was <laughs> <laughs> there are exceptions to this rule, but um, but it, it it does seem to see a common occurrence with uh, especially older um, performers. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay, I think it's time for some Weird House Cinema messages, and we got so many emails about Return to Oz. We are not going to be able to do them all today. Maybe we'll feature more Oz in the in the next uh, episode, but let's do a selection at least. First message I've got lined up here is from Brian. Brian says, when I saw Return to Oz in my podcast feed, I had a visceral reaction and a chill ran down my spine. I was transported back to 1986 when, as a five-year-old boy, I was subjected to a home viewing with my older sister. I'm not sure if I watched it more than once over my childhood years, but I could clearly picture each segment you discussed, and I recalled those scenes as I had originally experienced them, through a haze of confused horror. I suspect if I watched it today, I, like you, would appreciate the weirdness, the beautiful production design, and the creativity involved. However, I was not prepared for any of it as a child. The Wheeler specifically gave me nightmares for months, if not years. Mombi and her hallway of severed heads were also a bit much. In summary, it thoroughly messed me up. I remember later in my preteen and teenage years having memories of these scenes, but as they were uh, during pre-internet times, I wasn't sure what movie, if any, they had come from. Ooh, I remember that feeling, Brian. I believe I finally stumbled back upon it during college in the late 90s and was gladdened and relieved to learn I hadn't simply dreamed the whole thing up. A surreal, trippy experience. Thanks for the memories, Brian. Ah, that's good. 
Yeah, I enjoyed hearing from everybody out there who had uh, memories of having seen the the film and, and also specific childhood memories that uh, could attest to the uh, the, the dark tones and the, the, the sense of fear in the picture. Now, one of my favorites came from listener Shana. Shana writes in and says, Okay, weird, emailing you guys two weeks in a row, but ah, you covered one of my favorite movies of all time. I have such a deep relationship with Return to Oz from many different stages in my life. I was a 1981 baby, and my mother took me to see this film when I was a wee little child. It is actually one of my earliest foundational memories, because as soon as Mombi pulled off her head, I ran screaming from the movie theater. <laughs> I became a well-established scaredy cat and also ran out of my friend's house crying during The Dark Crystal and am to this day traumatized by Gremlins older brothers. Yes, say no more uh, on both those fronts, uh, but especially on Gremlins, which is among all these films, I think especially potentially traumatic because it is so uh, miscalibrated as a film. It really yeah. doesn't know if, it, if it's trying to be cute or, um, or grotesque or frightening. Is it a kid's movie? It does also doesn't mind using a grisly scenario to spoil Santa for, for viewers. So it's, 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 it's a weird film to, to take in. It is, but you know what this makes me think, Rob? I think on Weird House Cinema, we should do Gremlins 2, which is oh, yeah. just a bonanza. Yeah, G2, baby. Um, well, <laughs> for Christmas, we should do that one for it's, Christmas. It's definitely in the movie. <laughs> All right, Shana continues. I rediscovered Return to Oz in high school after falling in love with Veruza Balk from The Craft. The Return to Oz DVD from my local video store, uh, rental store, Silver Screen Video, RIP, 1986 through 2019, auto-started with an interview with Balk talking about her experiences on set. Watching the film again was surreal. It was like having deja vu. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what was going to happen, but as soon as I saw it, I remembered. Cut to college where I'm studying TV film editing, In the Blink of an Eye by Walter Murch was required reading. IMDb.com was kind of new, and discovering this world-famous editor directed that childhood trauma-turned-beloved movie blew my mind. I got married in 2011 in a steampunk-themed wedding. We had the, the privilege and honor to have a robotic ring bearer created by one of the best humans who has ever lived, Grant uh, Imahara. When creating the head, Grant took inspiration from TikTok. TikTok being the, um, the cool automaton in Return to Oz. I've included mm -hmm. two photos of Heisenberg as he was <laughs> named. And indeed, here are the photos, Joe. So his head is a copper sphere with a with a big walrus mustache or not walrus? What do you call that kind? Of, a handlebar mustache? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's a TikToky kind of mustache with a monocle, a top hat. I think it's got a bow tie. Uh, TikTok didn't have a bow tie, as far as I recall. But uh, so this one is more finely dressed. But maybe this is what TikTok would look like if he was going to a wedding. Yeah, and as we can see in the second photo, it, it seems to be a fully functioning automaton. We see the the tracks, we see the remote control that uh, was used to operate it. So yeah, kudos. I mean, this this looks like a, a steampunk wedding that really went for it. They finish up here. Listening to you guys fall in love with this film made me so happy. Upon reviewing, y'all will find more details and surprises. As always, thank you so much for the content. If you end up looking for more weird, dark, Disney children's films, I recommend Escape to Witch Mountain, 1974. The music is fantastic, and it's just a super weird movie also available on Disney+. 
I've heard very good things about Escape to Witch Mountain, but I've never seen it. Uh, I saw it as a kid, and I don't remember the particulars of it other than it was one of the, there were, I think, a couple of Disney films from this era that were a little creepy and felt like they weren't quite meant for kids, even though, I mean, clearly it was okay for kids to see them, but they, they felt a little dangerous seeing the trailers for them as a, as a child on other Disney VHS uh, tapes. Uh, this one had Donald Pleasance in it. Uh, I do remember oh. that. Oh, yes. Wait, they just, they did a remake of this movie with, uh, with Wayne the Stone, didn't they? Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know if The Rock plays uh, Donald Pleasance's role um, <laughs> or, or not. I, uh, I don't know, I assume he plays maybe the Eddie Albert role, but, um, but yeah, I did not see The Rock remake. Yeah, me neither. Well, maybe I will check out the original. I feel like there was some other Disney film of this era that was frightening looking in the trailer. Something with ghosts in it. Perhaps it had, um, it had Haley Mills in it, and, but I don't, I mean, it wasn't Pollyanna, right? Pollyanna's not a ghost story it's not the parent trap i've never seen Mm. it i don't know well let's Mm. look up the Haley mills filmography see it might not have been Haley mills it might have been just another child actor that reminded me of her but there was some other disney film from this era that gave me the creeps and uh or or maybe i'm just it's like a splinter memory of escape from witch mountain i don't know Wait, are you thinking of Watcher in the Woods? I am thinking of Watcher in the Woods. Yes, 1980 film. Yes, that's the one. I should have known. Immediately, I was wondering. That one is one, yeah, I just distinctly remember being troubled by the trailers for that on other Disney VHS tapes. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it as an adult, but I have read about some of the, like, the, the stuff that got cut. There was something to do with like the entity in the film, and they had a more frightening vision of that entity that they were going to use, but then they had to, they had to pull back a little bit, and they had to remind everybody, no, this is Disney. We can't, we can't do, do something this uh, dark and, uh, and uh, ethereal. Robert, stop right now and Google <laughs> Watcher in the Woods Monster. You need to see it. Oh, God, yeah, this is, this is terrifying. It's like a like a a, a fallen slime angel, <laughs> and it's, this is not the way that it appears in the movie, right? This is the I don't remember. I hmm. I remember there being something scary in the movie, but this maybe this isn't it. Was this hmm. the cut one? I don't know. I can't sort it out right now. Well, the the trailer was creepy. That much I remember. Yeah, and you have like the weird girl with the blindfold on. Yeah. Hmm. All right, uh, let's do at least one more Return to Oz message. Uh, let's see. How about this one from Athena, who says, uh, subject line, return to Return to Oz. Hi, Robin Joe. When I was in middle school, I remember a friend giving me a play-by-play of everything that happened in the movie Return to Oz with these wild, wide eyes, as if they had to tell me everything just to get it out of their head. I didn't watch it for years. I read all the books when I was a teenager much later, and I could see how it would be very disturbing. I would absolutely 100% recommend that you read at least the first three Wizard of Oz books. They're very short. It won't take long. Uh, There was so much more to the wonderful Wizard of Oz than what happened in the 39 movie. There is a whole town of breakable porcelain people. There are people with heads that shoot from their necks, etc. I'm not sure if I even understand what that means. Shoot like a bullet from their necks? I guess. Or like their heads are little rockets that take off? 
Mm. In the successive books, every time Dorothy goes back to Oz, years have passed when only a short amount of time has passed by in our world. Ah, Rob, this may explain uh, one of your son's questions about the movie, which is if if that's true, maybe there's even a reverse uh, time lineup, which is why Dorothy is younger in the sequel than she is in the original (laughs) movie. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, Athena says, I would say that Return to Oz is very true to the spirit of the books. They are evocative of an early American idea of what foreign lands are like, and they are really quite scary in the best way possible. Thank you so much for the great show, Athena. Yeah, I'm tempted to uh, to pick one up now. I was talking to a friend the other day who'd read a bunch of them when uh, when they were a kid. I also think that there... I, I agree, even not having read the books and just seen the movies, that there is something distinctly American about the kind of fantasy in them. Because, like, the wizard, it turns out, essentially is a, a patent medicine salesman, like a, a huckster <laughs> and carnival barker. Mm-hmm. Seems like a very American kind of choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, one thing that I, I thought was interesting, really, in, in both the, the 39 Oz and in Return to Oz, there's also this sense of uh, of the Emerald City that... Uh, that kind of reminds me of some of the the futuristic uh, optimism concerning the nature of the American city uh, mm. that, uh, that that I think is is present in the, the, the fiction here. All right, let's do one more here from the Oz bag. This is from Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, hello, Robert and Joe. I was excited when Joe solicited calls for the best forest sets because I also love a good forest set piece. And my all-time favorite without any competition is the queue for the E.T. Adventure ride at Universal Studios Florida. The ride itself is fine, and against all odds, still appears to be open. However, the indoor queue for the ride was wonderful, winding through an air-conditioned indoor forest. It was relatively quiet and dark, and there were sound effects throughout, possibly also an ominous soundtrack, but I can't say if that's part of my memory that I generated or not. I never cared for the movie, but when I think of E.T., this forest still comes to mind and brings back delightful memories. Thanks for the show, Nathaniel. Oh, and I do want to to stress, too, that we are, uh, we, uh, even though this episode is airing after our Weird Al Cinema episode on Crawl, which features tremendous indoor forest environments as well, uh, we, um, we, we're recording this before we record the Crawl episode. Strangely, I have not been to Universal Studios Florida since I was a kid. Um, sometime in elementary school, my family went, but... I remember this line. I remember it very clearly, much like I remember the uh, the line for the Jaws ride where they, uh, they're they playing like interview clips. I think in at least at the time I was there, one of them was uh, Quint claiming that uh, the after the shark ate him, it barfed him back up and they just play the movie where he gets uh, the scene where he gets eaten in reverse. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. But, uh, but at the E.T. ride, yeah, I, I, I remember this kind of peaceful dark indoor forest where the line uh, curls around. And I think it's sort of recreating the environment of the beginning of the movie, right? Because doesn't the movie start with like the ship landing in this like mountain forest in California? Oh yeah, I guess it does. I I haven't seen E.T. in forever. Um, Been tempted to introduce the boy to it, but uh, we we haven't sat down and watched it. I remember Reese's Candy. It was Reese's, right? Reese's Pieces. I remember... Uh, the shock uh, of the where they you think that ET is dead in a gutter, and you see his crumpled um, old body down there. Uh, that that stuck in my head from watching the, the film as a kid. Uh, the, the the scenes where the um, 
the, the, the humans in the bio-containment uh, outfits have shown up. That was pretty frightening. Yeah. yeah. And I guess his finger glows. Yeah, and the flying bicycle. And uh, that's it. That's what I remember. I've seen Mac and me more recently than I've seen E.T. <laughs> same, same. And I've seen pod people more than any of these films, which also has some <laughs> definite E.T. vibes. The excellent Spanish uh, film. What was the, uh, was it Alien Invaders? Is this the original uh, title of that one? Mm, this potato has big ears. <laughs> All right. You want to wrap it up there? Yes. Let's go ahead and uh, cap this one off. But we'll be back with more Lister Mail next Monday. And in between, yeah, we'll have core episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind on Tuesdays and Thursdays, short form artifact or monster fact on Wednesdays and on Fridays, Weird House Cinema. That's our time to set aside most serious concerns and just uh, talk about a weird film like Return to Oz. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hi you can email us at contact at stuff to blow your mind.com stuff to blow your mind is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows rev up your thrills this summer at cedar point on the all-new top thrill 2 Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.